Listen to 88.3 FM The Grizz, live from downtown Rochester in the beautiful Oakland University campus. This is Sports Day in the D. I'm your host, John Ott. It's the January 17th show of 2013, and we got a lot to get to on today's show. We're going to break down the Big Ten matchup of the Michigan Wolverines and the Ohio State Buckeyes, as well as break down the other news that's going around the Big Ten. And then we're going to have a college piece in terms of where I'm going to talk about what exactly is a verbal commitment and some of the things that college athletes go through. And then toward the end of the show, we're going to talk about the Detroit Red Wings, break down the game against the St. Louis Blues in their opener, and then the home opener with the Dallas Stars. And we're going to let you know exactly where the Red Wings stand as they're getting ready to open the season this weekend. Come back in from the break. We're going to break down Big Ten and everything else all around it. John Ott, Sports Day in the D. This is Sports Day in the D. I'm your host, John Ott, 88.3 FM The Grizz, live from Oakland University. There was a lot of big games going on in the Big Ten, but nothing bigger than the game on Sunday when Michigan went into Columbus, Ohio to take on the Ohio State Buckeyes. And Michigan was on the wrong end of a 56-53 loss to the Buckeyes. But they put themselves in more of a predicament than a lot of people would seem to think if they just looked at that box score. Yeah, the score says it was close, and Michigan did nail the first three to start the game. So, yeah, you can say you felt good, them getting that first basket, maybe hopefully getting more outside shots, as that's what's Michigan known to do. Just to hit those outside shots, to have Nick Stauskas and all these other guys come off the bench with that tremendous point guard, Trey Burke, and Tim Hardaway Jr. at the shooting guard position. So, you know they're ranked number two, and they finally get to test themselves on the road, as I mentioned last week. Michigan's played 14 home games and just two on the road. And then they have Ohio State on Sunday, and then this Minnesota matchup coming up when you hear this show tomorrow. So, you think about it and you say, Michigan's got a shot. They finally get to test themselves, so let's see how they do. And Michigan falls flat on their face to start the game. There's no other way to say it. Giving up 19 straight points and trailing 19-3 to just about four or five minutes into the game. It was an ugly, ugly scene. The Ohio State Buckeyes had driven their lead to 22 points, and it was just hard to imagine Michigan even coming back from that. And just to even get in the position to get back from it is some of these criticisms that people have of Ohio State in the Big Ten. They really can't close. Yeah, you have guys like Deshaun Thomas, the small forward, that can give you over 20 points per for the Buckeyes, but when you think about it, the only other guy that can really make an impact for them, because they don't have Jared Solinger, he went to the Boston Celtics, all these other guys inside, you do have Aaron Kraft, point guard, shooting guard, that steals a lot of balls and plays great defense, and just does what he needs to do to keep his team in the game with a defensive end when they don't have the closers around them. But Michigan, in my opinion, has given themselves the same old problems that they've had last year, not having a guy inside to score. Yeah, you say you like what Jordan Morgan brings for you. When you play Glenn Robinson the third at the power forward position, he can give you some speed and maybe an outside touch. And guys like John Horford the younger brother of Al Horford that plays for the Atlanta Hawks, you might think about he could develop into something, but he's never really going to be quite the same player that his older brother is in the NBA. So Michigan doesn't really have a lot of depth in the front court, 
and they don't really have a lot of depth that is an entire rotation. When you really think about it, Michigan plays about eight or nine guys, and that's about as much as they can muster in terms of keeping everybody else on the floor. Trey Burke, thankfully, does not get tired for the Wolverines, and him and Tim Hardaway Jr. do a lot of tough slutting and play a lot of big minutes for this team to try to pace themselves and stay in the game, but it just didn't happen. When you think about Michigan being down 22 points in this first half with not a lot of time you know, taken off of the clock, and then you think about it toward the end, Michigan had a chance in this game to bring themselves to about 8 or 6 points, but instead got that 22 lead cut in half from Ohio State to 11. So they gave themselves a decent shot. But then the shot selection when they got in the game, which was totally different, Ohio State, to get out to a huge lead and got themselves a lot of transition baskets, a lot of fast break opportunities, because Trey Burke, who does barely even turn the ball over, there was a stretch when he only had eight turnovers in eight games, and the dude had about 72 assists in a span of eight games. He was just absolutely destroying it and not turning the ball over. Michigan had eight turnovers in that first half within probably about six minutes, and they only averaged nine and a half on the season. So Michigan was plagued from that. But even so, Ohio State didn't come out in the second half as gangbusters to try to keep themselves in the game. All those transition baskets weren't happening because Michigan was taking better care of the ball. And then obviously, Ohio State, they always talk about not having that closer like we would mentioned. They had the game more mucked up, and they tried to win on the defensive end because Ohio State went cold from the perimeter and pretty much anywhere inside, allowing Michigan to get back in this game. Michigan did get the game tied about five minutes to go in that second half, and they tried to do it pretty much on a Tim Hardaway three, which ended up tying the game, and then Glenn Robinson coming back and trying to do the same thing. But the poor shot selection for the Wolverines had plagued them all night because Ohio State's defense was right on top of them. They tried to get clean jumpers, and it just wasn't happening. Ohio State was all over them. Inside, they were blocking shots, stripping the ball. Outside, they were contesting shots. And then Michigan, because of this, had to try to go out. Nick Stauskas, I believe, had zero points in this game. He had to sit on the bench with some early foul troubles. He never really got going. And the nation's top shooting three-point guy in the league has steadily uh, fallen to about fourth right now. He's just had a bad few games going in, and they, Michigan just wasn't able to do anything because they couldn't hit the outside shots, because they couldn't get in there to do anything. They had shot shots about six or seven feet behind the line and just plagued them. But even so, going to the very end of this game, Trey Burke's fallaway shot almost went in the net, pretty much went around the rim three times and out, and then it just pretty much doomed Michigan to lose the game 56-53, even though Trey Burke with the final seconds had to throw up a desperation three and bank that in off the window because the bank was open on Sunday. So it's absolutely unbelievable that that shot would go in, but Michigan's poor shot selection ultimately had doomed them to lose this game. And not to mention the other factor that you can always think of, Michigan is not a strong team inside. And it really pains you to think about, you know, the Big Ten 
is always so competitive. You got Indiana, you got Ohio State, Michigan State, Illinois. We know about all these teams. And we talked about last week about it's going to be so competitive and everybody is going to have a chance to get in this tournament, but it's not going to be because they went unblemished. Every one of these teams is going to have at least three losses. It's going to be very competitive. But when you think about Michigan, you think about last year in the tournament, them losing to the Ohio Bobcats. I'm not talking about Ohio State, but the Ohio Bobcats in the first round. And the one thing that you thought about when they lost in that first round was, man, Michigan doesn't have any scores on the inside to go get it done. Because if these guys have a cold night on the perimeter, then they're going to be susceptible to being beat. And they could be beat by any team in the nation in that regard from last year. That's what you would think. This year... Maybe not any team in the nation will beat them, but the same thing you thought about in that Ohio State game, if you watched it, Michigan didn't have a great game on the outside, and ultimately it cost them. Ohio State's not one of those teams. You know, Deshaun Thomas had a pretty good game. He was getting some hustle inside for Ohio State, getting some rebounds, some putbacks, everything else. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with today's show, as you'll be hearing this when Michigan plays against Minnesota because that team mentioned last week doesn't have a legitimate big-time threat and score, but they're really balanced. And going through the Big Ten and all the rigors of everything that's gone down so far, heck, Indiana lost to Wisconsin, and nobody thought Indiana was going to lose. You thought Zeller was going to be the guy that's going to help them be unblemished. You know, one of the many Zeller brothers that's going on with the Cody Zeller saying that this team's going to be on blemish, and they're just clearly the number one favorites, and they go down to Wisconsin, and yet Wisconsin's not getting any top 25 love, as they're still undefeated in this Big Ten through all that stuff going on. So it's absolutely amazing. So what happens now? you got Michigan going down in there, and then they have to play against Minnesota, so you're not really sure how they're going to fare. They didn't really show you anything that you really wanted to see that was good that you could take away from Ohio State. So Michigan State moves up. Illinois moves up from beating Ohio State, and Ohio State moves up from beating Michigan, and all these teams are still remain bunched together, and it's just going to be a competitive thing and something fun to watch. And it will be interesting to see where it comes from here, because you know all these teams are going to make the tournament, but which one of these teams is going to be the one that ultimately lasts until the end? I know the Wisconsin loss is shocking for a lot of people in terms of them pretty much being undefeated at home. He didn't think it was going to happen. That team's really deep. I'm not sure where Zeller is going to be drafted at this point, but you got to believe it's pretty high in the first round. you got draft picks and Hardaway Jr. and Trey Burke going in the NBA if they decide to go this year, and I don't see why they wouldn't. They're going to be going in there. The whole Big Ten is going to be swapped with a bunch of draft picks that are going to be going into the NBA. So it's going to be very competitive and very fun to watch. It's just that Michigan's shot selection and their ability to not be able to score on the inside is what cost them in Columbus. We come back in from the break. We're going to talk about some college recruiting and the story of a life for a college athlete. I have some differing opinions as from some of this news that has broken out. Stick with me. I'll let you know what I mean when we come back in from the break. Welcome back into Sports Day in the D. You're listening to 88.3 FM The Grizz, live from Oakland University. I'm your host, John Ott. In the previous segment, we talked about the Michigan Wolverines and the Ohio State Buckeyes. And you think about young kids like Glenn Robinson III and Nick Stauskas, who were all freshmen. And these freshman kids, before they even went to college, they went to high school. And that's where I bring up my next point in terms of talking about college recruiting and all that stuff. It even stems 
from high school and just being able to get in that whole scene to get into college life. That's what I want to talk about in terms of a 10th grader, a sophomore out of high school from Grand Rapids Christian, Drake Harris. He verbally committed to the Michigan State Spartans to play football, and this kid is also a very good basketball athlete. So he has a Twitter feed, and he had said that he verbally committed to Michigan State to play football, and then also, and a few hours later, he also decided that he didn't decommit to Michigan State, but he's also opening his outlook to other schools. And this, in instance, has to do with Urban Meyer out of Ohio State. You know about the football team. They went undefeated this season, but they were on probation, so they couldn't go to a bowl game with all the stuff that happened with them. And this is where I draw the line on this, and I first need to bring this up. I will never be a professional athlete. A lot of you guys know me, if you know the backstory, have cerebral palsy and all of that, so I will never be able to play professional sports. But that doesn't stop me as a journalist, as a guy that listens to the radio, writes blogs, reads a lot of stuff, to not make an opinion on something. You know, you listen to the the, the ticket, 97 the ticket, and you might hear some of this stuff when you hear this segment now that comes that's coming from me and I'm not going to go ahead and take everything in regards of what they've talked about because I'm not in the sense of stealing topics you just don't do that but in terms of Drake Harris I want to bring a little bit of a different opinion this kid is in the 10th grade out of Grand Rapids Christian he was just pretty much the top recruit for Michigan State where do we have to be as a society even though I know that this goes around but this is just a little bit ridiculous in terms of ESPN always being around there. And you got ESPNU, and then you've had the National Signing Days, and you got all these young kids trying to go ahead and commit. And you talk about James Young, and you know Dan Fanner had broken the story in terms of writing for the Oakland Post, for Oakland University, now working with the Oakland Press with me and all that stuff. You understand that you even see James Young on there on the National Signing Day for ESPNU and all of that as he goes ahead and committed to Kentucky. In terms of Drake Harris, this kid's a sophomore, and he's already being touted to play for pretty much Michigan, Michigan State, Alabama, Ohio State, and all of that. Where do we have to be as a society to go ahead and go and do all that stuff so young? But I digress from that. What's a verbal commitment? That's the other thing I bring to you guys. You can get at me at Facebook and Twitter at TBU Gunsling and all that. Let me know. How do you feel about verbal commitments? In terms of all of you young kids, and you already know the way the world works nowadays, if it's not written in a contract, a verbal commitment doesn't mean jack. Pretty much he's saying that he's going to play for Michigan State, but in my opinion, I don't know if a lot of the slappies feel a little bit different about this, but in my humble opinion, Drake Harris and a verbal commitment, if he didn't sign it into a contract and the NCAA doesn't have those regulations to go ahead and do that, they hadn't had that set in stone. So if the guy's not got it signed in a contract, he might as well go out and be the big man on campus going ahead and trying to get recruited by several top universities because pretty much, let's face it, he's going to go ahead and have the time of his life He's going to go ahead and make all these schools and the ADs drool all over themselves to try to get a hold of his big-time talent. And then also, all these girls are going to want to be around him, and he's going to get involved in the nightlife and just have a lot of fun and go to parties and do all that other stuff as he should do. Because he's a young kid with big-time talent, and he should have a lot of fun. You know, the college atmosphere, when he gets to that point, it's about, you know, trying to be a leader and build yourself up. 
to be what you really want to be when you essentially grow up, when you get into college, and hopefully that's when you do. But you try to work your way to get to that point. But along the way, you also need to try to, you know, gain a lot of friends and build a fun reputation and have the, as much fun as you can while trying to be as responsible as you can. And, you know, sometimes a lot of that stuff can't happen and sometimes things fall off the handle, but how you cope with it and how you deal with it and how you come back in to be what you want to end up being is ultimately the be-all, end-all goal of it, isn't it? So there is no problem, in my opinion, with Drake Harris going out and doing what he's doing to try to say, he hasn't decommitted to Michigan State. Let's face it, he doesn't owe them anything. If all of you guys go in there and you call the radio show or you talk to me and leave your opinions, I'd be glad if you side against me, but give me your reasons. A verbal commitment doesn't mean anything. I think about myself in a lot of situations. If I hadn't written certain things down in contract or make things abundantly clear that something was going to happen if such and such didn't happen for me to get to get paid or get some situation out of the way, you know, I'm out of luck. You, you, need, you need to make this stuff an actual commitment for the NCAA to have this in written terms if you want to go ahead and get these kids signed. But let's face it, you're a 15, 16, 17-year-old kid. You're in high school. Somebody throws a contract in front of you. Do you really know what you're signing? I honestly don't think you do. And in terms of that, do you really want to sign your life away for four years or a year or however many years you play before you go pro before you even get into a college because you're in high school? You don't really know what you want at this point. You're still trying to figure out what you want to do and a lot of the kinds of hobbies and other things, you might know some of that stuff, but in terms of what you're really passionate about, all that stuff might change. All the people you meet might change your outlook on life. Nothing is abundantly clear when you're a young kid. So when you get into college and you get a chance to do something and have some fun and pretty much build with all of that and hopefully on top of you pursuing a degree and doing what you really want to do, but let's face it, a lot of these kids, and I'm not speaking for Drake Harris, but I'm just speaking for a lot of other kids in terms of like Alabama, LSU, the SEC schools, you know, they're not dealing with the Michigan difference. They're not dealing with all the other stuff where in terms of they get a degree, you, you know, you snatch these kids out of JUCO, you snatch these kids out of high school, you snatch them at a really young age, you get them to play for you at a really high level, and you know where they're going. They're going in the they're going in the NFL. If they're playing there, they're going right into the NFL, and they're going to be that top fledged draft pick. But here's another mistake that these kids make. I don't want to fly off the rails in terms of this of this uh, whole topic because I'm talking about college in general and the high school recruits and recruiting in general and how everything has all changed. All of that's still the same in this topic. My only other thing to say about in terms of the future of after you finish all of your career in college, you get a chance to go into the pros. Let's say your college career is only for a couple of years and you may be Taylor LeWand out of Michigan. You know, he's receiving a lot of flack, not from all those guys in Michigan because it's, it's a Michigan man and he wants to stay there and it's just the Michigan experience. And that's just a load of baloney. I can go to any other college and university. I love Oakland University, but I'm not going to sit here and tell me if someone didn't pay me a million dollars to go ahead and do a radio show or do a TV show, work at the Oakland Press to pay me like a million dollars a year for a salary that I wouldn't go on and take 
greener pastures. I mean, you know, I'd have to be a complete idiot to pass that stuff up. Or Taylor Bewand, you think about in his case, he could be a top 10, top 15 pick in terms of Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay and all these mock drafts. This means this guy is getting guaranteed money and he's going to get paid. And he decides that he wants to play his senior year out in Michigan and try to just get more of the experience. Do you guys remember what happened with Matt Barkley last year when he played for USC and he lost all that money? He could have been a top-tier first-round draft pick, and now he's thinking late first, early second. He lost out on a lot of guaranteed money, and you don't really want to have that happen to you. If you got a chance to get in there, if you're a young kid, this is where I draw the whole line on the segment. If you're a young kid, you're 15, 16, 17, you don't really know what you're signing, so I can't blame him for not in all these other college institutions for not having something written in stone because I think when you're that young you don't really want to have it written in stone and you shouldn't necessarily be committed to one school you should go out there have fun be a responsible adult but also keep your options open and find out what's the best situation for you to be successful in college to get to where you want to go if you're going to be a professional athlete. If you're that good, you're going to be a professional athlete. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Some of these guys have a backup plan, and that's all great, but most of them don't. So if you get a chance to be that good, you go in a situation where you're going to be the most successful and get yourself the most notoriety so you could be the highest end pick you can be. Because when you get to that point and you get that success, you're out of college and you're not sitting there pretty much playing for free for a college, while if you get hurt, well, oh man, that's your whole career. It's too bad for you. You know, you need to go out and get paid, and you need to make sure you take care of your own livelihood, because that's your life. If you're going to be a professional athlete, that's what you're going to do. You need to make sure you get everything all situated, and get yourself set in that sense, to take be able to take care of yourself and your family. That's what I really believe on that. In terms of the only thing that I honestly can't imagine in 2013, and the stuff as we progress forward in life, is that younger and younger, you know, these channels on ESPN like ESPNU, the only thing I couldn't believe, you talk about all of these young kids and these national signing days and them saying, I'm going here and going there. It's all just a big guessing game as all these guys try to go out there and recruit the most kids that they can. When you think about Penn State and all that stuff that happened with Joe Paterno and all that stuff last year, did you hear about all those guys out in Illinois and Indiana that are pretty much outside in the parking lot of Penn State University holding up big signs and trying to get these Penn State kids to come to their other schools because with all that stuff happening, they may not want to play there? You know, it's the world that we live in now. This is the college recruitment game, and even... Stuff like this with Drake Harris, you hear this kid, a sophomore out of Grand Rapids Christian, being put in through this carousel, it's the way that we work nowadays. You might call it sad, you might call it disgusting, and you might call it the way of how life is now, or you might just say, yeah, that's fair game. I'm more along the lines of fair game and going out there and getting paid, but being responsible and having fun while you do it. And I'm not sure if all of these kids out there can follow along all those same all those same lines while having all the fun and everything else that they have but it's just the world that we live in now in terms of that college recruiting and it's just the way things are going to continue to be as we move from 2013 and now on forward when we come back in from the break
we're going to talk about the Red Wings and their home opener and some of the more outlook that we get as we go into the first game for the Red Wings to play Saturday on the road against the St. Louis Blues. Stick with me. This is John Ott, Sports Day in the D. Sports Day in the D, I'm your host John Ott, 88.3 FM The Grizz. Hockey is indeed back in hockey town as the Red Wings are starting the season on Saturday playing against the St. Louis Blues. Break down some of that stuff going on this season coming up and then talk about the Red Wings outlook as we bring for what I talked about last week a little bit. You talk about the signings and acquisitions for the Red Wings. You can get at me at Sports Day in the D, TBU Gunslinger on Facebook and Twitter. Talking about re-signing Darren Helm, signing Michael Samuelson, Jordan Tutu, and the monster Swedish goaltender Jonas Gustafsson. And then Tom Rennie is your associate coach. Kyle Quincy, defenseman's back, re-signing Justin Abelkader and getting another defenseman in Carlo Koliakovo. The Red Wings didn't get what they wanted when you talk about defenseman Justin Schultz and then free agent Ryan Suter. So that brings the Red Wings to try to figure out some things when you're going through retirements and players leaving. You're talking about Nick Lidstrom no longer being back there on the blue line, you know, playing with Steve Eisman, Sergei Fedorov, and all that stuff way back in the day, and even being your most recent captain, just retiring last year. He's not going to be back, and he's pretty much, in my opinion, the second best or the first defenseman to ever play that game behind Bobby Orr, if you want to go that far. Yuri Hoodler is not back for the Red Wings. This happy Hoodler signed with the Calgary Flames. Talking about a guy that can go ahead and put some pucks in the net that the Wings could have used. And defenseman Brad Stewart going to San Jose. So we're talking about it last week in terms of you losing the first line of your defense. And it's just going to be a lot different as these guys are going to have to step up and help Jimmy Howard try to keep the puck out of the back of the net. That's pretty much where the Wings are at at this point. So the Wings had one of their guys that really needs to be ready in terms of one of the points that Pierre Lebrun had brought that I bring to the attention of everybody is in terms of the Red Wings outlook. Pierre Lebrun on ESPN with Scott Burnside and all that they mentioned that Brendan Smith has got to be ready for the Red Wings because when it was clear that Lidstrom wasn't coming back, there was at least a strong contingency plan to get Justin Schultz and Ryan Suter, and it didn't happen. But Brendan Smith indeed did say to ESPN the magazine, what they've told me is Ken Holland and... Coach Babcock and all that had said they don't want me to fly under the radar. They don't want me to be just another defenseman. They want me to play minutes and produce, and that's what I want. You're talking about a guy that could possibly be on that first line with Nick Cromwell if it really gets to that point in the part of the season, then he's going to have to do something. There's been a lot of rumors and bustlings going around about Damian Bruner, and yes, indeed, he's finally going to play on that first line with Pavel Datsuk and Hank Zetterberg. Hank Zetterberg is your most recent captain, and Damian Brunner is one of those most recent wild cards that's going to be on the first line for the Red Wings. Talking about lighting up the Swiss League isn't a guarantee for success. The Brunner spent time with the lockout building chemistry with Henrik Zetterberg and pretty much went on to get 25 goals in 33 games. He's going to have to make the adjustment into the NHL, but when you're playing with gifted passers like Zetterberg and especially Datsuk, man, man, you talk about... A few years ago, in terms of, you know, Sidney Crosby having to go through all that stuff he has to go through and how pretty much hated he is here. But to that point, I know a lot of people might give me some criticism. You'd say he's still one of the best players in the NHL is Crosby, and Ovechkin's not far behind. Datsuk is not far behind any one of these guys, and I dare anyone to tell me otherwise in terms of that. 
Datsuk is absolutely amazing. You can get guys that can score around him as good of a playmaker as he is. The Red Wings would be in a great spot. But Damian Brunner is exactly one of those guys that the Red Wings are looking for to go ahead and do something like that, but you're not necessarily certain about what you're going to get. He's definitely a good scorer. That's what Henrik Zetterberg said. He's a good skater, and he knows the ice very well, and he wants to win. And, you know, he got these... 24 goals and 36 assists in 45 games. He's got 60 points in 45 games in that Swiss League. So he could be a guy that's possibly going to make big-time waves for the Wings, but we'll have to see. The one other guy that we mentioned on one of these Wings, and if he could be on the second line now, is definitely Darren Helm. And the reason why I mentioned the Wing Darren Helm is because yeah, whether a third line or second line center, this guy has speed to burn. You talk about Quentin Berry having speed for the Tigers. This dude has got a lot of speed, and it's not just because he's on skates. You know, his his absence was a little bit overlooked because, you know, he's not in the playoffs. It really ex- exposed what the Wings would need is a lot of speed because those defensemen are going to need a lot of help. But he really needs to get past the points of just getting rid of those back injuries and all those lingering injuries to go ahead and really make an impact for the wings because at this point Darren Helm is going to be one of these guys that needs to be there for the wings to have great success and you talk about some other young players for the Red Wings and the young help might be on the way in terms of the shortened season you're talking about youngsters like Gustav Nyquist and Thomas Tater the closest to contributing in the NHL and they're talking about Riley uh, Sheehan does Pierre Lebrun, all these other guys, and playing in Grand Rapids. And the injury is expecting to hit the league hard in terms of all of that. All of these guys with this lockout and condensed schedule, he's thinking that some of these guys can step in for the Red Wings, but we'll see how that happens. Because Coach Mike Babcock, when I think about it a couple seasons ago, as great as he was when Mike Madonna was here, of him playing, you know, not playing Madonna in, in favor of Chris Draper. I know Chris Draper's been here for a long time. It was a questionable decision for me in terms of the thinking that Madonna can go ahead and make an impact for the Wings in the playoffs. I never necessarily thought that they were going to win a Stanley Cup within the last couple of years because the Wings were, are not just that strong. And then now you got guys like Ryan Suter and Zach Parise and all these other moves in the offseason coming in and the way that the Wings couldn't land who they wanted. It's it's going to be interesting to see how many young guys Mike Babcock plays. He's a great coach, but there's some criticisms in terms of who he's going to play. Unless these guys really produce over and beyond, I wouldn't necessarily think that Babcock is going to have them be put in positions where they're going to play a lot of minutes and try to get a lot of turnover to be big-time players for the Wings that early. This is the only criticism I have of Babcock. He's a great coach, but that's where I'm at on that. And the veterans, they mentioned, guys need to shake off the rust in the lockout. I think this pretty much serves for everybody. When you're talking about defenseman Nicholas Cromwell, who's got more of that physical game now that Lidstrom has left, definitely he's going to have to impose his will on that first line to help out Jimmy Howard. And then Johan Franzen, you know, he's got that big contract with Zetterberg, but Johan Franzen's 33 years old, and it's going to take him a few games to get going. And he's going to be one of those guys now that Thomas Holmstrom is gone, Remember, he always is one of those guys that's out there in front of the net taking a beating every single game. And he's one of those few guys out there to play this game 
that would be able to do that every night, do it willingly, and play his role to the best of his ability to get his team to be successful. So it's going to be interesting to see how Franzen gets going. And another player, Samuelson, you know, he's pretty happy to be back in Detroit and get a chance to play with Bertuzzi and all of his other guys to go ahead and hopefully be that goal scorer that he was a few years ago. Now several years older as Samuelson, be about 36, 37 years old. I don't think you're going to see that much in terms of what he did a few years ago for you scoring all those goals. But definitely a guy that you hope that has one of those bounce-back seasons, you know, not since from playing with the Florida Panthers. He didn't have such a great season. He had one good season in Vancouver. But he's going to need to bounce back a little bit more. And I think the whole team as a whole, in terms of not just that first line, everybody scoring goals in that defense is going to have to step up because this is going to be an interesting year for the Red Wings in terms of everything else. And let me know what you think in terms of, I mentioned last week, that the Wings, I could believe, in terms of that 22-year playoff streak and all of that, this could be one of those times where the Wings don't make it back. You talk about the stuff on NHL Network when they were talking to Barry Melrose and Kevin Weeks. You mentioned Henrik Zetterberg now being the captain for the Red Wings. Seven more times this season, he scored 60, 60 points or more. He's a great two-way player on offense and defense. And the same thing I say of Pavel Datsuk. And Barry Melrose had mentioned, this is a great job by the best organization in hockey to make Zetterberg the captain of the Red Wings. Because you can't fill the void in Nick Lidstrom, who never gets his shot blocked. And you, you need Z, Datsuk, and Franzen to get some goals. So that's where I'm at in this season. So I'm not sure if that... 21 seasons of the playoff streak since 1990 in the present. I'm not certain that isn't going to be broken this season. Or possibly the Wings could sneak into an 8th spot, but even all of us in Hockey Town know that the Red Wings are not going to be winning a Stanley Cup, but it would be interesting to see whether or not this streak is going to get broken. In my opinion, in terms of Pavel, or Pavel Datsuk and Henrik Zetterberg, those are the two guys I thought could have been the captains, and I have no problem with it going to Henrik Zetterberg. And I know it's a good move by the Red Wings, and he is a classy player, and Datsuk's a classy player, and all those guys are absolutely world-class in their ability and just the way they present themselves. But Pavel Datsuk, let's be honest, in terms of like Miguel Cabrera for the Detroit Tigers, you know, he's got these accents, it's hard for him to speak you know, fluent English. Zetterberg was a lot easier on the ear in that regard. So no doubt in my mind that Z's going to get that C. You know, there's a lot of these things when you need to be outspoken and be the guy that goes out there and gets quotes. No doubt in my mind why Nick Lidstrom was also the captain. He could have been there for millions and millions of years like he was. But, I mean, when you can't go ahead and give these guys some quotes and be able to speak out in terms of the team, it's going to be hard for you to land that C. But definitely Datsuk and all those guys deserve that alternate, the alternate C to get that A because they're just the best players on the team. It's not saying anything mean, but it's just the way that it goes in the world. In terms of everybody else in that central division, you talk about the St. Louis Blues, talk about the Nashville Predators and the Chicago Blackhawks. You know, the Blackhawks have made relatively few changes besides adding Michael Roosevelt and defenseman Sheldon Brookbank. So you got both those D's in there. And you really need to get Marion Hosa in there. I wish there was one of these guys that the Red Wings could have kept because he was a guy that can go out there and get you 40 goals a season. He had taken that nasty hit in the playoffs, and he's pretty much out. Now, hopefully he would be back, not in terms for Wings fans now, but 
Hopefully he would be back in terms of the start of the season to try to get the Blackhawks going. And in terms of one of these things that the Red Wings don't want to play, and I don't want to play in general either, this team is capable of getting out to a hot start. Because when you think about guys like Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze and Marion Hossa, you, you got good players in Chicago. I was surprised they got rid of Dustin Bufflin last year, one of those promising defensemen that they had. But you got great players in Chicago. Pretty sure they're making the playoffs. You got good players in St. Louis. You're talking about TJ Oshie and all those young guys in there. They got good players and uh, Coach Coach Hitchcock. All of them has them playing great hockey in terms of they're pretty much go out there and get you on the defensive effort. Not afraid to win games one nothing or two to one and shut you down. That's going to be tough for the Wings to have to go out there and play against the St. Louis Blues. And when you think about the schedule, you know, they got the Blues on the road, and then they have the Dallas Stars at home. But then after that, the schedule for the upcoming Wings season is going to be a little bit more difficult to deal with. And in terms of that, we can break it down. The Red Wings are going to be on the road against the Blues, and then on the road against the Blue Jackets to start the season. So Saturday, January 19th is when the season starts for the Red Wings. It's just a few days. So they're on the road against the Blues and on the road against the Blue Jackets. Then they play at home against the Stars, at home against the Wild, which would be is pretty interesting because, you know, you got Zach Parise and Ryan Suter, the two guys that the Red Wings were trying to get now playing for Minnesota, playing at home. Then they're on, ro- on the road against the Chicago Blackhawks and then back home against the Dallas Stars within the first six games of the season. So it's going to be interesting. There's going to be a lot of Western Conference teams. You know, there's not a lot much more travel in terms of that shortened lockout season. And the Red Wings are going to have to play a lot of games in the shortened season against the division. When you talk about Nashville, Chicago, St. Louis, and then you have the Wings in there, you got these three other legitimate playoff teams that the Wings are going to be playing against, and thankfully they have the Columbus Blue Jackets, who probably will always be in contention for that last position in the standings unless they make something happen. So it's going to be difficult to see what the Wings can go ahead and do in terms of success as a playoff run, but there's a lot of things in terms of regards of these young guys and then going out there and seeing what Damian Brunner can do, if Darren Helm can stay healthy, how this team can gel, because it's a brand new first line on defense. It's going to be a lot different with Lundstrom not being back there. Damian Brunner is finally going to get a chance to play on that first line with Dad Suk and Zetterberg. And just different other young players coming in. It's going to be interesting to see a transition time. Will the Wings sneak into the playoffs and keep that streak alive? Will they pretty much just blow it up, have a bad season, get a high pick, and a shortened season to get another good player? I never see that happening. But, you know, that's one of the things on the naysayers list of possibilities. And if you really go that route, you say this isn't a bad time for that to happen because the team is getting older. It's a short and lockout season. The Wings don't really have anything to gain by finishing a low seed just to get into the playoffs. Might as well go ahead and try to get something good with all that money you got to spend in the offseason because you didn't land Parise and Suter. It'd be an interesting dynamic. I'm not sure it's going to fly in here in Detroit. I wouldn't advocate for that, but I wouldn't be surprised if there were some people out there saying it. When we get back in from Sports Day in the D, we're going to close out today's show, talk probably a little bit of Pistons, and then a request that I have going out there to all of you listeners, and just getting some update on some fun things to do in terms of sports. 
Come back in from the break. This is John Ott, Sports Day in the D. Sports Day in the D. John Ott here back with you from 88.13 FM, The Grizz. Getting into the final segment that we got now in terms of the Pistons playing in London and something I would like to have everybody out there participate in if they could. But let me get into this. Did you guys even know that the Pistons are playing in London? By the time you hear this show Thursday, probably the Pistons will already have their game done at that O2 Arena as they go and take on the New York Knicks out there and have to deal with the jet lag and all this other time in terms of what the Pistons have to deal with. You know, they've had a tough season so far, and it's not really going to be a, a team that's going to get there in the playoffs and make some noise even if they get there. I would just hope that they would have tanked at this point to try to go ahead and get themselves and solidify a high draft pick. Then I hear some news that really made me upset about in terms of, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the show, about in terms of trading Greg Monroe, getting rid of Andre Drummond, and possibly packaging Brandon Knight, blowing up the whole entire team because everybody is just so sick and tired of what the Pistons of having to offer them. And let me tell you, none of that stuff makes sense. I don't know where I'm hearing any of this stuff from, but it's just all over these people calling in on the radio and just all over the NBA rumor mill, and it just doesn't make any sense. All of these guys are young. How many times do I got to go out there and tell everybody that all these guys are young, you're going to expect some losses. The Pistons do finally have some talent with Greg Monroe and Andre Drummond. I like that pair in the front court. Brandon Knight definitely is not going to be the point guard that you thought he was going to be. He might end up being more of a scoring guard. And I mentioned that Greg Hodges comparison a couple weeks ago as well, by him being a guy that just goes ahead and makes him make some three-point shots because that passing and everything else is a little bit hard on him. But I do mention this guy's only 20 years old. He's got an ability to go out there and make some plays if he gets a chance to gain some experience. So let them go out there and do what they have to do. So let the Pistons go out there and enjoy getting their butt kicks in London by getting just destroyed by the New York Knicks. Honestly, it's just going to happen. But they get to go out there and play in London, go see Big Ben, Go get a chance to sightsee. Go talk to their teammates. Bond on a road trip. They've already beaten the Miami Heat. They've beaten the Milwaukee Bucks several times this season. The Pistons have gotten a lot of good big wins, and it's a good experience for them to go ahead and get away from all of these lunatics going out there calling 97-1 the ticket or just some of the stuff I see online or hear from people talking about how poor the Pistons are. Trust me, I get all that. But in terms of a lot of other teams that are struggling all the season, the Lakers especially, when you think about it, in terms of the guys that have a lot of talent, Pistons are not in a bad spot, and they're getting closer. So let them go out there and enjoy this London road trip and just being able to bond. The one thing I really have to say to Lawrence Frank, I know he's really not going to hear me, but this is something that's got to be said on this radio show. You need to go out there and find Jonas Jarepko some some minutes out there. Go ahead and let him get some national exposure. He's from Sweden. Give him a chance to go out there and do something. Give him a chance to get some national exposure out in the limelight. The game's going to be on NBA TV. I'm not sure how many of you guys go out there and have it, but it's going to be 3.30 Eastern on a Thursday. Go ahead and get this guy some national exposure and let him play. I mean, Christ, he's playing behind Austin Day and Charlie Villanueva. I mean, get get him some minutes. If you If you can find Kyle Singler... And all these other guys some minutes. And I mean, you, you gave all those minutes to Charlie V and all of that, even though I like Singler and all that. But if you can find some other minutes for all of those guys, at least get Jonas in the rotation for a chance to experience something good. I mean, he's been coming off 
that injury and all of that in his rookie season, it was pretty much busting his behind to go ahead and play for this team. So just go out there and go ahead and do that, Lawrence Frank. I really would appreciate that, and I think I think he would appreciate that a lot himself. And in terms of that, I close out this Pistons segment to go ahead and bring you the final part of what I want to talk about in Sports Day in the D, and that's the request segment. I know I ask a lot of everybody to go out there and get at me on Facebook and Twitter every week, and I go ahead and post the shows and getting the stuff from Oakland University and your listen and all of that, it, it does get some hits, and I'm glad there are out some people out there listening to everything because I, I really appreciate everything that Oakland University has done. Let me get on the radio station to do this, to get a chance to go out there and share some thoughts with you guys and all of that. This is where I bring in my request. I don't know if a lot of you guys have an Xbox 360. I don't care what age you are. This is out for anybody else, anybody that's passionate about sports. You go ahead and you send me a friend request. It's the same thing as the Facebook and Twitter. TBU Gunslinger, send me a friend request on the Xbox 360. There's an app on the 360 called Sports Picks. That's a free app. It's not a gambling site or anything else. It's a free app that allows you to go out there and make sports picks on the NBA, the UFC, College Bulls, March Madness will be coming up, all of that stuff. Go out there and have some fun with the sports pick app, play against me, and I want to see where you fare. Let's just have some fun in terms of the sports knowledge and see if you guys can pick the winners. Maybe I can go ahead and solidify a giant trip to Las Vegas and bring one of you guys out there so we can make some big bucks and spend the rest of our lives on an island with chicks serving us drinks and while we eat tropical fruit. I know that's just a... Uh, a dream that all of us could have, but it's definitely some fun to be had on sports picks and just get at me. Facebook and Twitter, go ahead and send a message on the Xbox 360 for the app Sports Picks. Let me know. Let's just have some fun and see who knows what. I would like to see if there's anybody out there that's just really good at picking sports picks because if you are, then you definitely shouldn't be in your line of profession. You should be out there making the big bucks where you know you can be because if you're out there able to do that, there's a lot of people that want your services. I'm just asking for a little bit of fun and everything else in terms of that to throw my way. It's a lot of fun to be have. My, me and my friends play all of that stuff and we have a lot of fun with it and the bragging rights and everything else is priceless. Have you ever watched that show, The League, on FX? You know what I'm talking about. It's just a bunch of guys out there that play fantasy football. It's a funny show. And it's just life outside of fantasy football is more funny shows and just having a lot of fun with your friends. So that's something that's out there. So if you have Xbox 360, send me a friend request, and let's have some fun with the Sports Pick app. This is going to be John Ott signing off for Oakland University in 88.3 FM, The Grizz, for Sports Day in the D. You guys have a great and safe weekend. I'll get you back next week, and we'll think about some new topics to talk about. Thank you very much for listening.